All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Speak the Truth Podcast. My name is Matt Tardio. As you guys can see here, my co-host Rob Turkle is joining me. He is definitely not down in Florida fishing because that would not be of character for him. Uh, he is right here in person in the flesh. So if you guys love Rob, I made sure to have him down here. This dude has figured out how to split himself into two different people. And he's sitting here joining us. It's been a while. we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Mainly what I want to get on to you guys about is what's going on in Ukraine and what's going on with Russia, what's going on with NATO, what's going on with Germany, what's going on with all these other Western forces over there, and why are they so hesitant to act on Russia? What is their problem? You would absolutely think with Russia on the border, looking at going over and taking over Ukraine, that the EU would be up in arms about it and would be willing to do things to stand up against Russia, but they're not. I mean, they're they're doing a little bit. NATO's stepping up a little bit. So we're going to dive in in a second here and see what's going on. If you guys haven't been following what's going on with Russia, you really need to. Um, over in Ukraine, the United States Embassy decided it'd be a great idea to evacuate all of its people from the U.S. Embassy over there. They're non-essential personnel, including family members. And the U.S. government itself, and I quote... Uh, will not be in a position to evacuate U.S. citizens should Russia invade. Now, I wonder where they figured that out from. I wonder if it has to do with the fact that we weren't in a position in Afghanistan to get our U.S. citizens out of there and we're actually learned from our mistake and we're actually trying to get people the hell out of there ahead of time. If you guys don't believe me on that one, feel free to jump over to the U.S. State Department's website. Go check out the embassy in Ukraine and you can check out all the warnings that they have going on over there. That's where the information comes from. Right now, Putin... Putin is claiming that the U.S. is instigating him into a war that they don't want so that we can impose more sanctions on Russia. That's Putin's stance. Putin's saying, you know what? I'm standing up for myself. You guys are moving in uh, missiles, surface-to-air and surface-to-surface missiles that have the capability of reaching far into Russia um, from you guys' current location. We're taking that as a threat, so we're staging more troops on our border. And I can't help but feel just a little bit, uh, I don't know, Gaslighted by that statement, given Russia's involvement in the conflict that's going on over in eastern Ukraine. Why do I say that? So right here, I have a picture of something that has been dubbed the Little Green Men. If you're not familiar with the Little Green Men, you're about to be familiar with the Little Green Men. This happened in Crimea back in 2014 um, when everything kind of started kicking off over there and Russia decided it was going to invade. At the time, Putin denied any Russia involvement in it. These little green men flooded in the Crimean Peninsula. So here's a map. Now that you understand where it's at, and you guys can see where the Black Sea's at, and you can see where Crimea's at. So Russia just decided it was going to go and invade Crimea. And he claimed at the time, well, at the time, that he wasn't involved in it whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, all these professional military soldiers showed up, annexed Crimea, and then later Putin came out and said, yeah, well, of course they were Russian soldiers. I didn't want to say it at the time, but yeah, you know, they're, they, they might be Russians, you know? So we've got now have Russians in Crimea. So anybody that tells you that Russia is not operating within Ukraine is full of crap and they don't understand what happened within that specific incident within itself. So Russia comes in and annexes Crimea and it's got these little green men that are running all around. That gives them, in addition to the eastern part of Ukraine that they share that border with with Russia, it gives them another foothold over in Ukraine itself. From there, they're able to do a lot of cool things. We're going to talk about that in a little bit as to what Russia is actually doing and how it's meddling in the war with Putin continuing to claim that they're not there. More on that here a little bit. So after he did that, then we go and we say, okay, well, Russia, you have actually done some more bad than good in this country as well. Back in July of 2014, July of 2014, MH17, it was a Malaysian Flight 17, was shot down over eastern Ukraine. It was cruising at over 30,000 feet. 
say that again. It was cruising at over 30,000 feet. Average height on a surface-to-air man-fired, all right, so man-portable surface-to-air missile, above ground level, you're looking at about 20,000 feet. So if one of those insurgents in eastern Ukraine happen to have a shoulder-fired weapon capable of taking down aircraft, their max range AGL would be 20,000 feet. This thing was flying at cruising altitude over 30,000 feet. I believe cruising altitude for that particular aircraft is like 35 to 37,000 feet. In order to shoot something out of the sky at that height, you need to have a cruise serve weapon. And I mean, an actual, you need a lot of technology to track something and be able to shoot it down at that height. Enter the Buk missile system that was spotted on the same exact day being offloaded from a trailer in Donetsk. Donetsk is over in the eastern Ukraine. It's the contended area that's currently going on in that conflict. With that uh, Buk missile system, the anti-aircraft missile system, with that missile system, there was also four Russian soldiers that were spotted along with it, and they were being escorted by separatists. It was then driven down the road to a small town. From that small town, there is a picture of the actual system. And you know what? Here's the picture. If you don't believe me, boom, here's a picture. This is the actual system in Ukraine. That is a Russian system on the same day from the same point of origin that that missile was shot from to where that aircraft carrier was shot down. A Russian system spotted being offloaded with Russian troops escorted into an area. We have a picture of it from a surveillance video. We have a picture of it there, and it shot down a commercial airliner. Russia directly involved in Ukraine, not just in Crimea, but also in Donetsk. Moving on. So you got to ask yourself, with all of that history that's going on with Russia's involvement in Ukraine, and and I didn't even dive onto the different weapon systems and things like that that the insurgents, I'm going to call them insurgents, have over in eastern Ukraine. They call them separatists there in the war. Um, But so Ukrainian separatists, I'll call them insurgents, and I'll explain why here in a minute. All those separatists over there also have more advanced weaponry than you normally wouldn't see. They've been spotted with not just sniper rifles, but entire sniper packages. We've, I mean, it's just insane the amount of money that goes into these things, right? So they are 100% getting outside support, most likely from Russia, and Russia denies the entire thing. So what is the United States' stance on all of this madness? Jen Psaki. Everybody loves Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki said... Putin's in response to what Putin was talking about with us instigating them into doing stuff, Jen Psaki described it, of all things, she said it is like when the fox is screaming from the top of the hen house that he is scared of the chickens. You know, I don't agree a lot with what that woman actually says. Most of the time, I just shake my head at it and she pisses me off. But that is probably one of the most accurate statements that this White House has probably put out. We have an extremely aggressive force that has already invaded portion of that country and is directly supplying the separatists with support. And they're claiming that we are the ones instigating them. That's where we're at. If you, if if you don't know what the term gaslighting is, I highly suggest you look it up because that's exactly what Putin's doing. Russia itself has amassed over a hundred thousand troops along the Ukrainian border. In fact, the amount of troops that they have on the border, like when it comes to, you know, in America, we look at like battalions and brigade combat teams and everything. It constitutes just under 40% of the total amount of forces that Russia has. And it's continuing to build them up over time. With all of that going on and Russia's current demands towards the West saying that, you know, 
Ukraine shouldn't be allowed into NATO. We shouldn't be doing any more military exercises. We shouldn't be moving any more troops in the area. And if you guys don't do all that stuff, you're instigating me and I'm going to be forced to take military action. So what was NATO's response? Well, right now NATO has responded. They've activated some sort of a response force and NATO's sending additional troops over there. Of those additional troops, it looks like around 3,000 of them are U.S. service members. And they just left the ground the other day to go fly and touch down over in Eastern Europe. What is their role going to be? No direct conflict. According to the United States government, that's not what they're there to do. All right. It's a NATO response force in order. It's essentially a show of force. Uh, NATO is beefing itself up and saying, you know what? We have a lot of people. Don't piss us off. But will NATO actually do anything is the question. And obviously, they're not going to release that information. I'm going to speculate on that in a little bit. And I'll tell you a little bit why I think they're over there in that region. Why would NATO bolster up so many forces and send them over there just because they're like if they're not going to do anything? And we're going to talk about that. It's not just troops that the NATO sent over there, guys. They also sent over aircraft carriers and fighter jets. So we have mass amount of troops of Russians moving over to the Ukrainian border. They're also in Belarus. Russia is currently conducting military exercise over there. Obviously, as a show of force, saying, "Look, we're you know we're in the area and we're doing bad things." They're right outside of Kiev. They've got troops that are over on the border, over on the eastern Ukraine side, and so we essentially are starting this massive cold war with a standoff of a shit ton of people. Yeah, it gets worse. It gets so much worse. So now I got to ask you guys to partake and go on a little journey with me on what it actually looks like over in that country. If you guys don't actually, if you if you haven't looked into it and you haven't actually seen what these front lines look like, we're going to talk about it. Now, I've said for a long time that Ukraine is outgunned in that fight. They are massively outgunned in that fight. They're outgunned massively by troop numbers and by freaking military equipment and everything else. And all Ukraine has been asking and I've been saying this, all Ukraine soldiers have been asking for is lethal aid from us. And we're starting to supply a little bit of it. So there's a buddy of mine on Instagram. His name is Kosak Gundy. I believe I said that right. Kosak Gundy. His name is Johnny. All right. He is a British service member. He's been around the world, done a couple of random things. And he is currently a Ukrainian citizen contracted within the Ukrainian forces. He's got a decent Thing. Can we link him? We're going to link him so people can go over and check this guy out. He actually reports a lot of stuff from the front line, and we're going to talk about a couple other things that are going on over there. But I'm going to invite you guys to watch this video with me. Um, it was from Sky News, and it shows him going through the trench lines, and what you can see is how dug in these troops are and how firmly these lines are established. So we're going to go down, we're going to click, and we're going to watch it real quick. Through snow-filled trenches, they make their way past the most exposed areas in near silence. That's Johnny right there, right in front of the camera. lines of this conflict in Ukraine are fixed, but the fighting is a constant. It is very dangerous, and it certainly feels it. They've been in these trenches for years. Whatever the rising tensions outside, nothing here in the mud and snow actually changes. Although an invasion would, of course, change everything. This brigade guards the southern flank of the Ukrainian army's front line with Russian-backed separatists in the east of the country. Amongst their ranks are two professionally contracted soldiers. Foreign fighters who've joined up. Unusually, Johnny Wood and Sean Pinner are from England. Yeah, this is my old position back in 2019. Both say they've started new lives here, which is why they're fighting. 
I want you guys to pay attention to what it is that they have inside of this bunker and how well that this thing's actually built. If you can see, it's actually reinforced from the top. All right, they're worried about a lot of indirect fire coming down on them, and they do. They have a massive problem with artillery shelling and mortar shelling over there that goes on. As a matter of fact, um, people do not know this. The massive rise in all of these secured messaging apps actually came out of this conflict, believe it or not. If you, if you go back in time and you look at when this conflict kicked off and what was happening, uh, the Ukrainians were getting the shit kicked out of them by the Russians because they, every time they sent out a radio transmission, it essentially gives a signal. The Russians would pick up on that signal and they would bomb the shit out of them with mortars and artillery and everything else. So they had to come up with like a good way of communicating. And one of the ways that they came up with was through these different secure messaging apps utilizing Wi-Fi and cell phone towers and all sorts of weird stuff. So they came up with this nice way of being able to talk to each other and be able to send messages back and forth. Now, obviously, they've progressed since then, and that's old intel, okay? But that is essentially where all that stuff came from, and that's why they're in these fortified positions down in bunkers. Also, really interesting to look at it, if you look right over top of that window, you see that little green netting that's hanging over that window? That's sniper screening. That's so they don't get shot, all right? So they're able to look out, and not a lot of people are able to look in. Now, could people theoretically send rounds through that window at times? Sure, but then they start telegraphing their position, and then you can just go back and shoot. So that's why that's in place there. Let's keep on, because he's actually about to give you a key piece of information and tell you um, exactly how Russian, or I'm sorry, exactly how Ukrainian soldiers feel about the conflict and where they stand against a Russian invasion. right to be here and the guys it's taken me a long time to integrate here uh so the guys know i'm not you know a, a war tourist or a war junkie and i'm with an organized unit i'm with the government and i'm with a contracted soldier so i've integrated so they know i'm not just uh like i said uh, just sitting around and i'm gonna go home at the end of it i've been here my family's here my family's 15 kilometers i can hear the shelling from my front room sean is a section commander here but he's realistic about what may lie ahead if they come across the border, we're outgunned. We haven't got air superiority, uh, superiority. Uh, we don't have a naval fleet, a very strong naval fleet. Uh, but Ukrainians fight, so we'll give them a bloody nose, that's for sure. Johnny Wood is on his third rotation. He says the West needs to help. I don't think we need to send British troops or American troops. I think all the West needs to do is we need to support Ukraine politically. Like, give them as much political support as we're doing, like, continue it even, like, amp it up, and just give them the weapons they need to defend themselves and to defend their country. We're going to leave it at that right there. Um, it goes on for a little bit more. If you guys want to go check out his Instagram page, and he's got lots of on there for you guys to view. But big takeaway is what they're asking for is they're asking for political support from the West in order to, in, in order to get over that. And I've, I've talked about it on this program before, what Ukraine needs to do in order to be part a part of NATO. Oddly enough, that's one of the stipulations that Putin doesn't want. Putin doesn't want Ukraine to be part of NATO because he doesn't want to lose his influence over that region. So Putin doesn't want them to be a part of NATO. Ukraine wants to be a part of NATO. And in order for all that to happen, they need a lot of support from the West. So it's going to take time to get them in there. And it's, it's going to take a lot of time. But in the meantime, everybody agrees that it would be nice to have Ukraine as a NATO force. It's just going to take a little bit of time. All right. So, with that being said, why is the EU so hesitant, so hesitant to help out Ukraine in the face of all this Russian aggression? Well, I like to say follow the money, and when it comes to money, one of the main things that you can look at is the economy. EU's economy, how much liquefied petroleum gas 
do you guys think the European Union gets from outside sources? How much do you think the EU imports into Europe when it comes to their petroleum needs? It's actually a pretty staggering high statistic. It's about 60%, roughly. So roughly 60% of the EU's oil and gas supply is imported. I ask you, who supplies the oil and gas in the vast majority to the EU? The answer is Russia. So what happens? So the EU has made itself very, very reliable on Russian energy. We have company, or countries like Germany that are hesitant to even speak out against what's going on over there because they're afraid that when these pipelines get shut down and that flow of gas stops, that their economy is going to be struggling. So it's not like the, the United States or the EU or NATO putting sanctions on Russia is actually the, the best thing in the world because Russia absolutely has the ability to squeeze and hold as well. So what's that lead us to? That leads us into a Cold War, right? It leads us into a little bit of a standoff. Russia knows that uh, it could have a very bloody fight on its hands should it choose to invade Ukraine. At the same time, the EU knows that if it imposes sanctions on Russia, that it has very, very serious consequences for its people as well. Those politicians would then lose support, and all of a sudden we've got problems on our hands, right? Not to mention the whole economy would be hosed because everything runs off oil and gas, Right, Everything, your groceries in the grocery store, the, the cost of those groceries, everything depends on the cost of oil and gas. You probably haven't noticed it here in the United States, but a carton of ice cream doesn't exactly have the same amount of ice cream that it used to have. These companies have been lying to you, and they've been cutting down the amount of ice cream that goes into these cartons and keeping the price the same, and it just looks a little bit less. This stuff has been happening all across, but you guys aren't noticing it. Maybe you are. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But it is called Speak the Truth, so go verify it because I promise you it's real. So with that being said, they are very, very worried about the oil and gas supply coming out of Russia and being squeezed just into an absolute. F it's, it's bad. So what's Russia's next option, right? Because we know that an all on military invasion would mean bad things, but they are staging and they are preparing for it. We know the EU doesn't really have a heart for it. Uh, because they don't want their oil and gas supply shut down, particularly look at countries like Germany was huge in the news. All right. So look at countries like that. Um, the U.S. itself has attempted to alleviate that a little bit, and they've reached out to some people in the Middle East in an attempt to get more oil and gas flowing into the EU, making them less dependent on Russian oil. But all of that stuff takes time, right? So all of that stuff takes time. In the meantime, right now, the U.S. is in talks with Russia, attempting to figure out um, what the way forward is going to be. No real information has came out of those talks yet. They started last month. We're in February now. Yeah. Isn't February? Uh, it's February 2nd. Dear God, welcome to February, everybody. This year is just flying by. What? What? Hold on, the flag is up where? Oh, f All right, so for a moment there, we actually had to take a brief pause because we had some intel come in. And I know of this intel to be extremely accurate in information for the way that it was reported to us that we got it. Um, it's something that's currently going on the ground in Ukraine over there. Um, and I'm going to do my best to wash this as best as possible so that, um, the operational security of what's going on and those members that are involved are not actually disclosed. Um, so we're not gonna be talking about where those people are going or what they're doing and what's actually happening. Um, what we are going to do is give you a chunk of information on it. So, like I said earlier in this podcast, we talked about the U S embassy had got all of its non-essential personnel, out of the country. They started doing that. They put a travel advisory and they told U.S. citizens basically not to travel to Ukraine. 
If we go pull it up, you can see it. It's 100% vetted factual information. Well, it looks like a next step has just came in to where non-combatants within the country of Ukraine are currently being funneled out. And they're going to a secure location. Those people are being moved out in preparation for conflict. That tells me two things, ladies and gentlemen. That tells me that before, you know, last month when I told you that it was very, very likely, um, like highly, highly probable for a conflict kickoff, and then I keep saying if there's anything above that step, that it gets more probable and even more probable and more probable. That information that we are, and when I say we, I mean Western forces are moving people that should not be in harm's way out of harm's way to get them out of a conflict zone is huge. You know, if it was just a minor incursion that we're worried about or some sort of a coup of Russia coming in, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this, I'm going to keep segueing into it in a little bit. If we were just talking about like a little minor incursion or a coup that Russia is planning to take place, we wouldn't be taking these measures. Um, you know, these extreme measures get taken when we think of a high-intensity conflict that's about to go down. I mean, like, warfare. So all this talk that we just had about Russia invading the country and everything going down, it appears that it's being taken even more seriously. So I talked last month and I told you guys that Russia had put out their list of demands and if we didn't meet their demands. And I even talked earlier um, before this information came in and I said that we were actually talking with Russia. And if Russia did not agree, if we did not bow to Russia's will, that uh, they would take military action. Well, I can only assume and drawing a line that those talks did not go as they were supposed to because right now a lot of people are being moved about um, in preparation for conflict within that country. That's real. That's happening on the ground right now, as far as I know, from from what it sounds like, from what we're being told, and the information, like I said, is well vetted, and I believe it to be true based on some personal knowledge that I have. Uh, we're not going to disclose a source. We're not going to disclose where they're going or how we know that the information is accurate, but that information is accurate. So people are being moved to another location in preparation for a massive conflict. In the area that they're being moved to, um, just everything adds up. It adds up that our U.S. Embassy has pulled personnel out. It adds up that we're moving people to a secure location. And not I'm not talking about U.S. citizens. I'm talking about local nationals um, within that country that are worried about getting uh, nuked by the Russian forces when they come in across so that they don't get caught in crossfire. The specific terminology that was given to me was non-combatants, which leads me to believe that it's all citizens that are in a specific region or an area are now being evacuated out and moved to a safe location. That's a pretty big deal, ladies and gentlemen. That is that is very, very significant. I want you to picture taking, um, you know, a, a large portion along the Canadian border, a state populace, and moving them somewhere else because we are expecting some type of invasion. That is exactly what you're seeing that's going on right now. You're hearing it here first. It hasn't been broke anywhere else. It is 100% here. I just checked all the different news agencies. So watch for that to happen in the near future. That's definitely taking place over there. As we speak, that's scary. I'm telling you why I think that's scary. That's that's exceptional information um, because of the absolute potential for a world war conflict that that makes. You know, we have NATO forces that are involved over there right now. We already saw NATO moving uh, thousands of troops. We saw NATO moving aircraft carriers. We saw NATO moving. Uh, aircraft, like fighter jets. Uh, we just started providing lethal aid to Ukraine. We started sending them over, uh, what the hell are those things called? Surface-to-air missiles, right? Or uh, anti-tank missiles. We, we've been sending all this stuff over there and started supplying it to the Ukrainian forces. 
that within itself, I know for a fact, was in direct conflict to what Russia wanted us to do. Why is this an issue? Because inside of Ukraine, it is not just Ukrainian troops. There is not just Ukrainian troops inside of Ukraine now. I've told you guys this before. There's other uh, Eastern Bloc countries that are operating within there that do not want Russian forces to take over that country. Some of them are NATO members. Now, I brought this up to you guys before. If a NATO member, if a NATO force, this is why it's a big deal. If you're wondering why people are staging and you're wondering why it's getting so big and you wonder why I say it's the brink of a world war, it's because we have NATO forces inside of that country. If those NATO forces get killed and if those NATO forces decide to go to war with Russia, NATO is in on it. NATO is going to town. And NATO has already started to move troops over there. That's pretty significant. Now, all of that can change. This is just complete and total speculation, right? Like, I, I am 100%, 100% speculating. You know, you know, six hours from now, I might get new information. I might tell you guys tomorrow that maybe something else is happening. But as of right now, that is what's happening. That is what they're preparing on the ground for. So how does a country like Russia go about preparing for invasion? So I talked to you guys earlier, and I, and I explained to you about the green men in Crimea. I explained to you about the actual uniformed Russian troops over in eastern Ukraine. What happens is... The Russian troops go in in ununiforms. They go in out of uniforms, no Russian flags, no nothing else, but they go in with the full backing of the Russian government. They go in, they train up these separatist forces. Along with that, they end up establishing supply routes. They end up figuring where they're going to stage their forces. They end up collecting intelligence. They know where all the Ukrainian forces are at. Obviously, nobody just goes and invades without having intel and not just intel from the air, intel from the ground as well. And that's how they go about doing it. They link up with the separatist forces. They train the separatist forces so that they can do a passage of lines. And then they move in and they start strategically knocking down targets. This is a big deal, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, European forces or Western forces moving Ukrainian citizens to other locations is quite a big deal. Again, I'll say it. The location they're moving them to, I I, I know, is valid, um, and it's huge. They're, they're expecting invasion. We already know Russia's been over there. We already know they've been working with the separatists. We already know that they're in the country. We already know they're stacking up. We already know we didn't meet their demands. Everything else, you know, if you were to look at this from the outside looking in, will tell you that Russia is about to invade. Why this sh- is not in the headlines is beyond me. It blows my mind. We just talked about why the EU doesn't have an appetite for it and what Russia's recourse is going to be towards them. We, we talked about um, their stance. We talked about the EU stance. We talked about the stance of the United States and not meeting their demands. And we talked about Russia's ridiculous statement, basically saying that we're the ones that are intimidating them into it. Now, I can kind of see their, I can kind of see their point of view, but all of those systems that we have over there would not be in place had Russia not chose to invade Ukraine. And by going into Crimea, don't make a mistake about it. That is specifically what they did. They invaded Ukraine. That That's a fact. Uniformed troops invaded Ukraine and took over a portion of it. And they've been providing direct supply to the separatist forces, shooting down commercial aircraft, actively training and participating in warfare on the ground in that country. Ladies and gentlemen, the next 24 to 48 hours are going to be very interesting. I highly suggest you check back in with us tomorrow because I'm going to have an update for you on everything that's going on on the ground over there. Thanks for stopping in and Speak the Truth podcast. I will see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.